Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, Dubs fans? Recording this on a Tuesday. Don't forget, you could subscribe to the Collaborative Warriors podcast. We're going to be on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out on goldenstateofmind.com. This is our second episode. Joining me, as you will be throughout the entire season, my co-worker there, Brady Klopfer. Brady, what's going on, my man? Not a lot. Just enjoying finally uh, having some good Warriors basketball to watch. Quite a change from where we were about a week ago. Were, were you concerned after the first two games? Like, oh my God, what is going, what is going on here? Yeah, I, I was not as concerned as as I think the the mass populace was. I think there was a a collective feeling that the sky was falling and the Warriors were already in tank mode and and should be con- considering what they can do to get Cade Cunningham. Um, I was not that level of concerned, uh, but I definitely definitely had some some fears especially because it did feel a little bit like like last year and that horrific start they got off to before curry got injured and even though we never got to see if they could have put it together there was definitely that feel that it just wasn't going to work with that collection of players uh and that season and so there was a little bit of that feeling that had me had me a little worried uh but i always thought they were going to at least pull it together sooner or later, especially once Draymond got healthy. Yeah, the, uh, Draymond coming back has made a huge difference. And, and you know, he had those couple plays against the Kings in their in their last game that, that uh, I highlighted in, in the recaps on uh, on GoldenStateOfMind.com was, was the, you know, he had the steal, then he had the, the nice outlet pass and he ran the break. Like, that's something not every four can do in the NBA. And, and I know a lot of people were kind of worried about, okay, where is Draymond going to be at, you know, coming back after not really a, a a terrible year for him like it was for the entire franchise last season but um that was a concern for a lot of Warriors fans is what are we going to see from Draymond Green is he washed is he not I mean he's not putting up eye-popping stats yet I think that'll improve as his conditioning gets better once he's getting up to about 30 33 minutes a night you'll see his numbers overall get better but he makes just such a difference for that team and I think his arrival back in the lineup has helped Kelly Oubre kind of find his his ground too, where Oubre obviously was, was struggling shooting the ball. I think it was what, he made two out of his first 33 three-point attempts, which is, come on, Kelly, I could have done better than that. And I'm terrible at basketball too. And, you know, you were watching the way he was playing, but now I feel like Oubre's got a little bit more of a pep in his step in terms of attacking the basket. So I think Draymond's, Draymond's return has not obviously not helped just being the player that he is, but I think it's having a trickle-down effect on, on the rest of the guys. Yeah, I think I think that's a great way of putting it. I, I think that is kind of the epitome of Draymond's impact on the basketball court is he makes the game easier for other people. He puts them in better positions. He he helps them. Even, you know, we saw it yesterday or on on Monday in the in the Kings game, we saw him quarterbacking Ubre and Wiggins and Wiseman on defense. And you could see and then also on offense, you know, there was that play that got that got all the the shares on Twitter where he was dribbling up the court and he was literally jumping and spinning yeah, his yeah, arm yeah. like a wheel <laughs> trying to get Wiggins to cut through and and you know that's the impact is is how often did we see not just the fire 
that you were talking about with Ubre, And I think we saw that fire in other players as well, but just them being in better positions defensively and offensively often because Draymond is literally yelling at them and pointing for them where to go. And he said that after the game, he said he has to, to play that vocal kind of director role because players don't know where they're supposed to be. And he didn't say it as, you know, an insult. He even admitted there are a lot of times he doesn't know where to be. Uh, but especially this early in the system, so many new players, uh, they're kind of putting things together as they go. He has that steadying coach on the floor ability, both on offense, on defense, to make sure that players are where they need to be doing what they need to do. He gets the ball to players and rewards them. I thought there was a huge play um, versus the Kings where uh, Wiggins had a really good defensive play. And then on the other end, Draymond was just trying to get him the ball and he was just directing traffic until Wiggins could get open and he could get him the ball, reward him for playing so well on defense. And then one final thing is just the trickle down effect of, um, going to the top of the depth chart and pushing people down a little bit into more favorable roles. Look at how much Eric Pascal struggled in the first few games when he was either a starter or having to play the four off the bench. And now we see him with Draymond taking up the majority of those minutes and Pascal gets to slide into a more favorable role as bench scorer, as small ball five in the second unit just areas that play more to his strengths because no longer is he being forced into a higher role than he should be playing. So that's a really big impact as well. It's funny, funny to hear you say, well, while you're on the, uh, the post-game media calls that Draymond said that he has to take the vocal initiative to be the leader. It's like, dude, you've been doing that the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he's been shy ever to voice his opinion. You well, know, there was, there was a really fun. funny part on that media call where um, <laughs> someone asked about the impact of there not being fans in the stand. And if um, people, whether it's opponents or teammates, uh, can hear him more now that there aren't fans and he just laughed and said i've always been loud i don't think anyone's ever had a problem hearing <laughs> what i have to say well we heard what he said to paul pierce that day and if we keep hearing more of that stuff that True would be that. wonderful for us because i love Legendary the way moment. plays. oh it was man i mean and i i do i i just love the way he approaches the game i love the way he plays the game i know i know it rubs you know some people the wrong way and, and that's totally understandable but for me having a guy who who's that passionate that smart um, that knowledgeable and, and the way he carries himself. It's like, you know, that dude wants to come out and win every time. And, I, you know, I'll be honest. I don't think we saw that from him last season, given the circumstances of the team that we knew Clay wasn't going to play at all in 2019, 2020. Uh, we, you know, Steph got hurt really early on. And then Draymond was kind of like, damn, you know, what, what am I going to do without these guys? So I think, you know, seeing him kind of have that fire back has been a good thing. And and he was asked, you know, this is one thing I, I, I do want to get into with you. And I think we both knew, I think a lot of people knew, and it's, you know, it's no secret that this was going to take some time to to figure it out. And you look at the three losses that the Warriors have had. I mean, they, they were they were blown out, you know, losing by by twenty five or more, uh, pretty much. Well, in or twenty six or more, pardon me, in in the three games that they dropped. But Draymond was asked about this too, about you know how are they going to be matching up against the big boys? You know, you got the Clippers coming up on the schedule, you got the Lakers coming up on the schedule. Uh, the Phoenix Suns are going to have something to say, I feel like, at the end of the season in in the Pacific. And he's like, you know, if we defend that way and we play that way, we can compete with anybody. Do, do you see them trying to maybe jump up into, let's just say, the top four of the conference, or do you think it's more realistic? Like they're just they don't have enough firepower to, to stay up with teams like the Clippers and the Lakers. 
You know, that's a really good question. And I think it could go either way. The one thing about it is I don't think that they will make that a priority. You know, I think they're going to focus on becoming the best team possible more than on chasing the best record possible. I think they would, especially in this year where, you know, there aren't fans, so there's not as much home court advantage in the playoffs. And maybe there will be some fans in in the arenas by the time we get there. But, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that there's not the home court advantage this season that they've had in past years. I think they would rather be, you know, the sixth seed and feel like they're the best version of themselves when the playoffs begin than try to chase the third or the fourth seed at the risk of not developing themselves or resting themselves the way they need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that they do have the talent to contend for one of those home court spots, especially you see other teams are just struggling uncharacteristically. See, I mean, uh, going into tonight's game, I, I think the Nuggets and the Mavericks both still have losing records. Um, the Clippers are doing really well, but they, you know, they got beat by 52 points. Uh, we're seeing teams struggle. We're seeing a lot of injuries. So I think, you know, there's a decent chance you, you would hate to see it, but I think there's a decent chance that one of the teams at the top might lose one of their better players uh, for an extended period at some point. Uh, you see teams just not putting it together. And I think one of the things that that really helps the Warriors is by not playing in the bubble and and not having that postseason push, everyone on their team is so well rest, rested. And I, I think that they can avoid having to rest players as much during the year. You already see players like uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving yeah. have already had their load management games. And Steve Kerr was asked on Monday with it being a back-to-back is, are you considering resting any players? And he kind of scoffed. He said, he said, no, no one needs it. Uh, even after Curry had, you know, put everything into that 62 point performance, you know, Curry just seemed kind of baffled at the idea that anyone on his team might need some time off at this point. Uh, so I think, that's going to play throughout the season. I think we're going to see as the year goes on that they just look fresher than the teams who were playing in September and October. And that could really help them uh, long-term with the standings. Um, So, you know, I might be singing a much different tune uh, this time next week after we've seen them test themselves against the Clippers twice and some other good teams. Uh, But I I do think that, that that is a realistic goal for them to try to sneak into maybe the fourth seed or something like that. I still think five or six is probably the most likely scenario for them, uh, especially because they are still going to be developing younger players along the way. Uh, but I, I think they've got a lot of, a lot of seeding to play for at this point. Yeah. These, these two games come up against the Clippers, I, I think. And again, it's so early in the season. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, the schedule's all janky and it's going to be weird like this, you know, due to the pandemic, nothing you could do about that. But I think these two games are going to be a good measuring stick. I don't think they're going to win both. It would be great to see them do that. But I mean, even if they do lose, you want to see them be competitive, right? Yeah, they they, they bounce back and beat Portland um, after getting run out of the gym when, when they played them on New Year's Day. But with, with a team like the Clippers and then, you know, Toronto struggling, but Indiana's playing well. Then you have Denver, uh, Phoenix and, and the Lakers on a three game road trip coming up in the, in the middle of the month. And I, I think for me, it's like, OK, you want to see them at, at the very least be competitive against teams who have championship aspirations before we can look at it and say, Hey, you know what? These guys do have a shot at, at being a top five seed because obviously, I mean, with the way Steph's playing and he, he's finding his, his rhythm, he's averaging 32 a game, um, you know, through the first seven right now. And, and I think he's going to stay around there because who they don't really have a lot of options, but um, I agree with you that, that, you know, looking, looking at the way this team is, is constructed. Yeah. I think they're going to have some ups and downs. 
you know, like you mentioned, because they are relying on guys like Eric Pascal, who are young, uh, Damian Lee to come in and, and play some meaningful minutes. So when you're looking at that and you're going to go through stretches here, because I was shocked to see again, Sacramento, I don't want to say shocked. That's kind of like a, that's maybe an overstatement there, but I was surprised I would say to see um, the Warriors come out so fresh. I mean, they were up 21 seven over the, uh, over the, the Kings, you know, early on in the, in the first quarter. And that was game three in, in four nights. And then, you know, Steph was coming off a 62 point game. Maybe I thought he would be a little bit winded, but it's good to see how, how they're they, like you mentioned they they are kind of staying um, conditioned and, and they're ready to go. But I think every NBA team, like you, like you mentioned uh, at the top of your previous answer was that you're looking at every NBA team is going to go through something. Now that we know, you know, Draymond and, and, and Wiseman um, hopefully are, you know, are, are going to be testing negative the rest of the season after, after testing positive for the virus uh, early on in training camp. But I think that is going to have a mark on the standings is which team loses, which players. And if they're out for a week, they might drop three or four games in the standings. Yeah. And you know, you hate to, you hate to see how many injuries there have already been this year, um, yeah. but there have been. And, and I think that is a trend that we're going to see. And on, on top of that, you have, you know, look at Brooklyn, Kevin Durant's, I think out seven days, yeah. for coronavirus protocol yeah um you know that kind of a situation if someone um contracts the virus obviously that could set them back even further but even just contract tracing is going to keep guys out so i think there really is going to be more variance this year than you're used to seeing uh in the standings just because of of the that protocol and and the injuries with the shortened off season um i think yeah i think we're just going to see the standings maybe not quite align with who's playing the best basketball the way that we're normally used to seeing it. I think um, it's going to provide an option, I think, or an opportunity, I should say, because I think there are going to be teams that simply don't win as many games as they should in a normal year, as, as you would expect them to if things broke the way that things normally break. But things are going to break in funny ways this year. Uh, and I think the Warriors are potentially in a unique situation to uh, jump on that a little bit and, and take advantage of an opportunity that, that some team might leave for them. Yeah. And I think that's what we'll end up seeing uh, eventually, you know, as, as the first half of the season wears on through, through March. I want to jump into a couple more topics. Let's do that after a short break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, and we're back. Uh, we were discussing kind of you know how the how the schedule is going to go down and 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 which team and how teams every NBA team really at some point. I think will be affected by by the COVID nineteen protocols. Um, wanted to ask you about this too, Brady. You're looking at the team defensively, uh, giving up 121 points per game, worst in the Western Conference. I think worst overall in the, in the NBA as well. But what do you what do they have to do a little bit better on the defensive end? Do you think? You know, I think it starts with this is a cop out answer a little bit, but I think it starts with just getting um, more comfortable. You know, they've they've looked so much better in their games against their second game against Portland and their game against Sacramento, and that obviously coincided with Draymond Green coming back and, and playing more serious minutes. And I don't think that that is in any way, shape or form a coincidence. Um, you know, he's Steve Kerr called him the best defensive player in the world 
after Monday's game. And when he plays the way he's capable of, I think that that is a very accurate description of him. Um, I think they have a lot of talent defensively. I think Wiggins and Ubre both are very talented defensive players who aren't always valuable defensive players. And I think that's where the Draymond Green effect comes in uh, and, and the Ron Adams effect a little bit as well. Uh, I think that there is just so much defensive potential amongst those players. James Wiseman has shown a lot of defensive potential. I think Steph Curry is a very underrated defensive player. He's certainly not a weapon defensively, but I think he's a quality defensive player. Um, but to me, it really comes down to Wiggins and Oubre being uh, kind of untapped potential defensively. They, they just have a lot of talent um, and they just don't always know how to use it in a way that helps a team and helps a team's defense. And I think if they are willing to continue to listen to Draymond Green and they're willing to continue to grow within that system and further develop, then I think that uh, the sky's kind of the limit a little bit for them defensively. But to me, that's that's the important part of it is they have to be willing to to just keep growing and keep getting better as a team. Uh, there needs to be that chemistry that's that's growing. And I think there's there's a domino effect with the Warriors. When their players at the top play hard and play well, the role players tend to play hard and play well. Uh, when their defense plays well, it creates a lot of transition opportunities. When their offense is flowing well, it allows the defense to get set off of a made basket rather than a long miss. So I think there's a little bit, it's a little bit of a, of a circular game here. Um, sorry if anyone heard that very loud. Yeah, you okay? My saying, you, you, you okay over there, Brady? I was <laughs> make sure you're not falling apart here, right? Yeah, no, we got a big old thunderstorm rolling through, it looks like. Um, <laughs> uh, so sorry about that, everyone. But um, yeah, I think it's um I think it's just a circular game for the Warriors. You, you play good offense, it leads to better defense. You play good defense, it leads to better offense. Uh, I really think we're going to see both of those sides of the court rise together or fall together, um, hopefully rise. I'm with you on the on the Ubre and and Wiggins thing because I think a lot of it, and, and it, at the NBA level as a defender, you you have to be athletic and you have to be fast and you got to have good lateral quickness. You know, both Wiggins and 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 Ubre have that. I think like you like you were mentioning, it is about finding the right. Okay, getting comfortable. Like okay, where where Ubre, you know, maybe gets beat a little bit more to the baseline. So I, I you know you're going to be a little bit more cognizant of being in that in the help side as long as you're you know lower down on the block or, or if you're even on guarding the opposite wing or the opposite three point line uh, in the corner, you're going to want to slide over. So I think picking up on the tendencies is something that that will help both those guys. But I, I do think right now. They're like even with Wiggins, and this has been a problem with Wiggins. I mean, I, I followed him, and it, we had the whole Canadian connection thing. But even when he was picked number one, it was it's a mindset. I think what Andrew Wiggins, he has the tools. I don't think he'll ever live up to being a guy who's going to drop twenty five points a game, you know, grabbing five six rebounds, dishing out three four assists on a on a championship contender. But I think he could be a lot better than he is if he if he maybe just got out of his own way and it was a little bit more forceful. Now that's something you can't teach. That's something you can't give to people that killer instinct. But I think that for him, if he's able to kind of get it, and I think that'll help playing with Draymond because Draymond's not gonna not gonna be weak about it and and you know be nice and and tread carefully. He's gonna tell him. He's gonna say, Yo, you got you know you got to do this you got so i'm hoping that kind of awakens the the, the beast from within andrew wiggins and if you're looking at, at kelly Ubre, you know i was mentioning this in the, in the recap that i wrote after the kings game for him the, the key for his success is going to be 
penetrate, 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 do some backdoor cuts. He, he had a couple of nice plays like that yesterday uh, where Draymond, I, I remember, found him for one, two, and, and I think he was able to connect with Wiseman on, on an alley-oop as well. But um, when you're when he's doing that, that's what's going to open up the outside shooting for him because he is more effective as a slasher, as a guy who can who can penetrate, get to the rim, and use his athleticism to try and score over people. So I think, you know, Kerr, and I think the, the Warriors have a great coaching staff. I think they'll, they'll, they'll kind of harp on those little things with these guys going forward. And I think that's when we're going to start seeing them kind of elevate their game to a new level. Uh, looking at their schedule now coming up, like I mentioned, it, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be tough now. I mean, no, no disrespect to the Kings. They, they started off pretty well, but have, have kind of fallen off a cliff since then. They got some, their own drama going on with Darren Fox's dad and Marvin Bagley's dad. I, I, I don't know how that starts, but okay. This is why parents should never have social media. Cause I don't think they know that once they get out, gets out there, there's no taking it back. But uh, looking at the, at the seven games, for for the dubs coming up you got back-to-back games against the against the clippers on january 6th and january 8th then you got the raptors coming in on sunday uh pacers a couple of days after that and then like i mentioned that they're on that big three game trip where they go at denver the next night they're playing a back-to-back at phoenix and then three days later they're, they're taking on the lakers what are you looking for from these seven games in terms of how they're going to play and how they're going to respond to elevated competition now you know the biggest thing i'm looking for is just continued growth within the system um you know i think we saw in in the three game stretch of the two blazers games and then the kings game we just saw the team get so much better from game one to game two to game three and it helped obviously that they were playing lesser competition you know the blazers came out slower and not hitting all their shots in the second game and the kings are obviously worse than the blazers so those things aided that but we also saw a team that just played significantly better And they've been honest, you know, from the start of training camp until now that they've needed time to put it together. Even before the Brooklyn disaster, Steve Kerr was saying, you know, I don't know if we're going to be good now, but I think we're going to be good in a few months. And they've held that line all year and we're starting to see it. And we need to see it continue even when there's adversity. If they lose a game or two, they need to not default to old habits and to, to poor play and poor decision-making. And that starts, I think, with the younger players, the players who haven't been in the system a while, guys like Wiggins and Ubre and Wiseman. Let's say they lose the first game to the Clippers, but they still played pretty well. They showed some improvements. Then what do they do when they come out on Friday? Do they go, oh, no, we lost. It's time to take, take a step backwards and start playing outside of the system, taking bad shots, whatnot. Or do they trust the process even though they're not the 76ers and say, this is working. We have to keep building on it. It's going to pay off. Uh, they're going to get tested. They're going to lose a lot of these games, you know, to be frank. I'm, I don't mean a lot as in for sure the majority, but you know, they're not going to finish out the road trip and then go on that or finish out the home trip and then go on that very hard road trip. You just described uh, without losing a game. There's, there's going to be a loss or two or four uh, and they just need to keep, focusing on the process more than the results and focusing on being competitive and continuing to develop their offensive and defensive systems. And so that to me is going to be the barometer. I would much rather see them lose a game where it looks like their offense um, put another piece to the puzzle and their defense was strong than win a game because one player got hot and, and their opposition was just missing easy shots. Yeah. that And that it's going to be, imperative that they keep building the cohesion that, that they're looking for. And you're right. You know, Kerr has mentioned that multiple times, not only during training camp, but you know, at the beginning of the season through, through the seven games that 
there's still a work in progress, right? But and, and I think that you know the the concerning part for me after those first two games, I was like, oh my goodness, what are we in for? You know what I mean? Like this is not gonna this is not gonna end well. And then they had that nice bounce back performance against the Blazers, and I think after that third loss, a lot of people were looking at it. But I agree with you, and I, you know, as I mentioned before, I want to see them try and be just a little bit more competitive. They're not going to win every game. They're not going to they're not going to win seven games like that. It's just it, they're not they're not the, the 20, you know, 15, 2016, uh, 2018, 2019 or 2017, 2017, Warriors anymore. You know what I mean? They're just not where you're looking at and say, OK, they could go six and one or seven and oh on this on this uh, seven game seven game stand that they're going to have here. But I think that's going to be important is, is continuing to build, continuing to get that chemistry and then ultimately putting it all together by the time you get into February, where it's like, OK, you've had enough, you know, we've had enough time of playing 20, 25 games with each other. And now we're starting to see the Warriors come together. Let, let's wrap up on this because i think he's been he's been awesome so far uh james wiseman you're looking at, at, at what he's done as a 19 year old even as a guy who missed a lot of camp uh after the, the positive test he's only playing 21 minutes a night but he's putting up 11 points uh six rebounds also 1.7 blocks per game has he been better worse or as good as you thought he would be this early on in his career he's been way better than i than i thought he would be really? part of that okay. is on me um, I'll be honest. I was I was low on him um, going into the draft. Uh, I'm not a great draft guy. I'll I'll be the very first to admit it. Uh, but I was I was pretty low on him, um, and he has shown me a lot of things that I didn't think were part of his game. We all knew he was wildly athletic. We all knew uh, he was extremely tall, um, long, has a lot of physical tools. Uh, we knew he could be a monster around the basket. What I was worried about kind of the, the entire way through the draft process was, can he keep up with the NBA game? Because we've seen so many times the Warriors bring in uber athletic players and they just can't keep up with the decision-making. The Warriors play, a, you know, a high-paced motion offense. And I know people don't always think that it requires the fastest decision-making because it's not that, you know, Houston Rockets style or that, you know, Phoenix Suns seven seconds or less style. It's not always the fastest in terms of pace, but it's the fastest in terms of decision-making because there's so much motion. There's so much off-ball movement. Um, there's so many passes that need to be made to players coming off of screens. And it's just a, a complex and difficult offense. And um, admittedly, we did, obviously didn't get to see Wiseman much at Memphis, but some of the scouting reports that I had read had me worried that he would uh, be able to keep up with the decision-making of an NBA offense, especially a Warriors offense. Um, and to me, there have obviously been a lot of um, rookie bumps and bruises for him. There have been a lot of moments where he's looked poor and looked raw, uh, but he has gotten better every single game, even though the stats were maybe the best in the first two blowouts. Uh, in my opinion, he's gotten better each game. We've seen smarter decision-making on offense, better positioning on defense, better aggression. Uh, and I think the biggest thing, you know, with the lack of appealing to authority here, I think the biggest thing is everyone on the Warriors to a man is just effusive in their praise for him. They think that he is a tremendous player. They think he's a tremendous person and they think that the sky is the limit for him. And, and these guys aren't, uh, you know, they're transparent. You look at the way that Steve Kerr or Draymond Green talked about D'Angelo Russell last year, or the way they talked about Damian Jones or even Alan Smiley each, um, you know, they're not going to outright say bad things 
but they're not going to go out of their way to praise how good someone can be and how good their work ethic is and their learning tools are. Uh, and Draymond, Steph, and especially Steve Kerr have just gone out of their way to talk about how easy he is to coach, how good of a person he is, how much he wants to learn and be coached hard, how much he's fine being yelled at. Uh, and, and I think we've seen that we've, we've seen the, the ability and the decision-making grow every single game, even when the stats don't back it up. So I've been, I've been incredibly impressed by him. Yeah. He runs the floor. Like he's an Olympic sprinter. I mean, that's the part for me. I'm like, this guy's like seven, one, and he just running up and down. Like it's nothing. And uh, I've been so impressed with him. Like you mentioned, just on the offensive end, especially in terms of where he's been, the positioning um, and he's getting that confidence. He's putting his hand up in the air. Like, yo, give me the alley-oop. You know what I mean? Like throw it up. And he's not, he's not hesitating whether that's coming from Curry, Draymond, Kelly Oubre, you know, he's, he's fully, fully engaged on the offensive end. I think defensively, he still has a lot to learn just in terms of his positioning. Uh, I have found that, you know, when I'm, when I'm watching him closely on the defensive end, he's, he's maybe paying attention too much to his own man and not really focusing too much on the help side. But again, I think this will all come with, with coaching, but I, I'm with you, man. I, I just love what I've seen from him. I think ultimately he's going to develop by the end of the season. I think he's going to be a guy who's consistently putting up about 15 and 10 and blocking at least two shots a game. But I mean, the Warriors got themselves a good one here. Do you think he has a chance at rookie of the year? Or do you think somebody's going to beat him out for it? Yeah, I really do. I, I didn't think he had much of a chance when the season started because I didn't think he was going to get enough minutes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, normally rookie of the year, you know, you know, we all think of like Tyreek Evans beating Steph Curry for rookie of the year. Is in, you know, Tyreek had a great season that year, but large part was, you know, he was starting point guard from day one. He was the go-to option. He was playing 30 minutes a night. Uh, and I just assumed that, you know, someone like Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball or even, you know, um, even someone like Tyrese Halliburton, um, or Pat- yeah. Patrick Williams or something would just have the bigger role from the start. They'd be playing 30 minutes a night. They'd be taking more shots. Um, I didn't think that Wiseman would have that, but um, you know, the Warriors started him from day one and they've made it pretty clear that he's going to get starter minutes as soon as he's ready for them. And as soon as his conditioning um, and ability to avoid foul trouble allows for it. Uh, and furthermore, a lot of those people I, I just mentioned, those names I rattled off, haven't been getting those opportunities. Um so, yeah, I think he's got a great chance. He's he to me has looked like uh, the best rookie, or maybe the the second best rookie behind Halliburton, who's who's been so nice. Uh, and I think he's going to get the opportunity on what looks like it'll probably end up being a pretty good team, which helps. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm with you on that too. I think he's gonna. I think he'll he'll start getting better and better numbers. I think Lamelo Ball will ultimately put up some some pretty good numbers as well in terms of points and and assists. Because I don't think the Hornets are going to be uh, very good at the at the end of the season in terms of the record. But yeah, it's gonna it's it is going to be interesting to see how how he plays out because I, I think you know when you when you're looking at a prospect coming in over the first seven games, you probably want to give him twenty twenty five to really maybe not completely know, but have an idea of how the rest of their rookie year is going to go. And I think that's what we're going to know with Wiseman. I think the fact that he's been getting better and better, like he showed glimpses in the, in the first couple of blowout losses, but then he's getting better and better and better. And I think that that is going to be the key for him and, and the entire Warriors squad. And I think that, you know, we talked about this throughout this entire episode of the podcast is 
continuity, cohesion, and chemistry. And I think if they're able to build those three and you're getting these younger guys, getting more minutes and, and, and getting their feet wet in terms of playing meaningful uh, NBA, NBA time and, and being on the court in important situations, I ultimately think you're going to see the Warriors turn a corner at some point, maybe next month, early next month or in the middle of next month, we're going into the back half of the schedule. They're going to start reeling off and, and having some more uh, long winning streaks. You know what, Brady, this, this has been fun. I know this is only our second time doing it. So don't forget, you can subscribe to us as well. Um, you, we're going to be on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your fix. And of course, you can check us out at goldenstateofmind.com. Any any closing thoughts from you, Brady, heading into the seven-game stretch? Yeah, my only, my only closing thought here is that I think we're going to have a dramatically different team to talk about this time next week. Um, maybe for better, maybe for worse. But with how quickly we've seen things changing with this team, I think... Um, you know, things are changing on a day-to-day basis. And I'm curious to see after these three games, what they look like next week. We might be talking about a really good team. We might be talking about a, a team that uh, went went back quite a bit. Oh, well, hopefully we don't see three losses by a combined 75 points because that's not going to give us too much good things to talk about. But uh, I'm confident that this team is going to turn it around. Uh, again, like I mentioned before, you can check us out at goldenstateofmind.com. All of our works, uh, Brady does a ton of great stuff in terms of recaps and analysis, and I'll get you guys game recaps throughout the season. That does it for this episode. We'll talk to you all again next week.